Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast brought to you by UVA Finance, UVA's trusted financial partner. Finance Matters is a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes they'll be useful to you on this road we're all on to do our best and be our best in the realm of financial matters here at UVA. Patty, we need to change that up. I know. I keep we do not that. talk about financial matters at UVA much anymore. We I don't think we've ever talked about that. No, we've expanded. I don't think anybody wants to hear you. <laughs> um, so the debits and credits. Um, no, but we do talk about a lot of great professional development yeah. uh, topics on our pod, and today is no exception. We have a returning guest today. That must mean we're not all that bad because someone was willing to come back. <laughs> I'm your host, Brandy Van Ormer. Patty Marbury of Finance Outreach and Compliance is my co-host, and today we've got Theron Fisher, the Senior Organizational Development Consultant in UVA's Talent Development Area. And he, if you remember, joined us a while back to talk about self-awareness. Thank you, Theron, for oh, coming back. Oh, my pleasure. Glad I could be here. Yeah, glad we tricked you into coming back. <laughs> um, the self-awareness pod, if you haven't checked that out, it's a really good one. Um, we'll link it in the show notes so you could, if you like what you hear with Theron, you can go back and hear some more. Today we're talking about something different, a different topic for Theron as our guest, but a similar kind of topic for us on Finance Matters. <laughs> um, we're talking about change again. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the, we're talking about a book that you may have heard about called Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard by Chip and Dan Heath. If you've heard of Switch, if you're trying to think, now which one is that? It's the one that has the elephant in it. <laughs> we just called it the elephant book. Yeah, go. we're going to talk about the elephant book. So um, if you haven't heard of Switch, now you're hooked because what about the elephant? Um, so Theron, maybe uh, I know that this is the topic that you discuss frequently. It's the subject of one of your um, classes. So I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit about the premise of the book to get us started. Sure, absolutely. I, I find that I spend a lot of my time here at UVA talking about change. And there are a ton of different change models out there, and most of them have some merit. I use a lot of different ones in my various classes and, and consulting work. Um, however, I find myself keep coming back to switch. Um, basically because it's a simple model that people can understand very quickly. And that model is centered around the idea of an elephant, someone riding that elephant, and the path that that elephant and rider are traveling down. Now I know that sounds crazy, it sounds like it has absolutely nothing to do with change, but I promise you the analogy holds up. It's a really uh, great metaphor. Exactly. Analogy, metaphor, yeah. simile, I don't know what we're dealing with here, but uh, either way it works. Um, and what's interesting is actually the concept behind this book of a rider and of, of an elephant actually have a UVA connection. Yeah, yeah, they do. It does. It does. That's right. Do. You were telling me about that, Patty. Um, I, I was reminded because oh, we, we haven't mentioned Kelly yet in, our, in this podcast. Oh, but Kelly, yeah, it's time boss, for Kelly. Kelly has a book, um, and a lot of people have heard of it, about it, but it's called The Happiness Hypothesis. And um, it actually has an elephant on the front cover, at least her copy of it does. And um, it was written by a UVA psychologist called, uh, named Jonathan Haid, or Haight. H-A-I-D-T. So I probably did not say that right, but he talks about the, what's kind of well-known in, in, in psychology um, about your brain having two distinct functions or two sides, an emotional side and a rational side. 
And he uses this, this idea of the elephant and the rider to describe the two different sides of your brain. Mm -hmm. So the elephant being the, um, the emotional side and the rider being the rational side. And as a former English lit major, I love, if I can just say, the metaphor of the elephant for your emotional side yeah. because it's big and lumbering and well, hard yeah. to control. Well, that, that's exactly <laughs> what he says is that if there's a conflict between what the elephant wants to do and what the rider wants the elephant to do, yeah. then the elephant's going to probably win every time. <laughs> and so just think about that when you think about um, decisions you make in your life and things that you do. Is your the, elephant an out-of-control circus elephant? Right. Just, but, but like what, how hard that is to kind of overcome yeah. the emotional yes. part of it. It's so. a powerful force. Yes. It is. And part of the reason it's such a powerful force is it's simple biology. It, it's how we're wired. It's uh, the neuroscience of change, which is an area I like to geek out on, so apologize this no, minor cool. aside. But yeah. um, our natural reaction to change is almost always fear. Absolutely. And it's not because uh, change is always big, bad, and scary. It's because we're wired. Mm -hmm. uh, at the center of our brain is what's often referred to as our reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. Officially, it's our limbic brain. Mm -hmm. And housed right in the center of our limbic brain is our amygdala. And our amygdala is responsible for our fight, flight, or freeze response, which we're all familiar with. Yeah. And whenever we're faced with change, our immediate response is one of fear because we don't know what that change means. Mm -hmm. And it stems back from... You know, millennia ago, when we were stepping out of the cave one bright early morning and we saw that the grass around our, our domicile had been trampled down. And we didn't know if that was because the wind blew the grass down, mm -hmm. because a predator had walked through the area recently, whether another uh, human had come through and was in our territory. And so when we see a change in our environment, we immediately respond with either fight or flight. Is this a threat to us? Right. Now, over time, our brains have evolved, and very quickly, within split seconds, we can uh, use our, our um, cerebral cortex, the more evolved part of our brain, to override that amygdala yeah. and to make a rational decision of, oh, this isn't a threat to us. But for the briefest of seconds, whenever we're faced with a change, our natural instinct is fear. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of, if you've ever, and I, hope, I know that you have, heard a noise in the middle of the night and it wakes you up, and you have that heart pounding, sweaty palms response, and until your cerebral cortex kicks in and you think, oh, that's just the ice and the ice machine in the fridge, yeah. or that's clearly the cat jumping off of whatever, mm -hmm. you do, you have that yeah. innate yeah, that, response. Exactly, and, and those are responses where very quickly and easily the rider can get control of the elephant. Right. Yes. But we've all experienced situations and certainly can imagine situations where we can't get a hold of that elephant. Mm -hmm. And it does exactly what it wants to do. And we all like to think that we're mature and that we are professional and we have a certain amount of self-control. And I think that's true. We do have a certain amount of it. And at a certain point, it gets a little exhausted by all of the things that are putting stress on it. And if you don't have enough strength in your self-control bucket to control the elephant, mm -hmm. some things that would not have set you off can and things that wouldn't have been such a challenge can and we have lives that are full of pressures and so um, no one should feel ashamed for change and making them uneasy we live lives that are full yeah. of pressures one thing I love about the book is the way they write and give examples to kind of drive home every single point they have and so to even talk about this point of the elephant and the rider they're like um, they say things like um, we're we're all familiar with 
situations when the elephant um, overpowers the rider. Like, you sleep in, you overeat, you dial up your ex at midnight. I laughed about that one. I am um, not familiar with any of that. <laughs> procrastination, <laughs> tried to quit smoking, skipped the gym, gotten angry and said something you regretted, and goes on and on. But those are the kinds of things that we're talking about here, is where you your rational side and so the rider is saying, do this, do this, do this. This is what I plan to do. This is what I was going to do. And then the elephant takes over. So Exactly. And yeah. And what I love about this book, in addition to building upon uh, the idea of the elephant and the rider from the happiness hypothesis, they add in the idea of the path. Yes. Yeah. And that's a really important part of change that I don't personally think we spend enough time focusing on. And the mm-hmm. idea simply is that the path is the environment in which the change is taking place. Mm-hmm. So if you think about uh, changes taking place here in our work lives at UVA, it's the culture it's the political structure of the organization and teams that we're a part of. It's the group dynamics yeah. that are taking place that can either really support a change and help it be successful mm-hmm. or can really act against a change effort. Yeah. And so, you know, ultimately, the brilliance of this book is it takes a really complex topic like change and it boils down to three big buckets that you need to be concerned about. You need to um, help people understand and rationalize the change and they need to feed that rational parts of our brain Mm -hmm. Uh, we need to not ignore the emotional side of people right Uh, just because we're at work doesn't mean that all of our emotions and our feelings are left at home Mm -hmm. we bring those in the workplace with us and we need to be uh, aware of that and support that and folks as we guide them through change and then lastly we need to be aware of the environment yeah and Again, to your point, Patty, uh, in all the Dan and Chip Heath books, I think they've put out five now, they uh, do a great job of telling stories, giving mm-hmm. real-life examples, and then drawing out um, little nuggets of truth and actual tangible tactics yeah. um, from those stories to help you direct the rider, to motivate the elephant, and to shape the path. Yeah. The one thing I love about the, um, the book is all the all the examples and stories that they tell it's it's like reading a novel you know you want to just hear about what happens next and um but then the other thing i really noticed when i read it when i kind of reread it for this to prepare for this podcast and reread from start to finish but just kind of skimming through some things um how they have these things called clinics throughout and their clinics go through every single step of the switch framework Mm -hmm for different examples of how people made big and small changes in their organizations. And so if you do happen to read the book, pay attention to those because it gives you some actual examples of how to implement Mm -hmm. the framework. It's almost like built-in cliff notes. Yeah. If you're pressed for time. Yeah. 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 And as the person who listens to everything on Audible lately instead of reading it, Mm -hmm. it's also great on Audible. You don't get as much, I think, benefit of the clinics. Yeah. But... It's some books are better mm-hmm. on Audible. Some books are better than others, but mm-hmm. this one is nice on Audible. Yeah. They actually have someone performing it, so it's it's quite good. But anyway, I think I think you've said in a training before they also have a pretty robust website. They do. So they do. There are we'll lots of great the resources out there. 
Well, cool. So we've talked about the writer needs direction, the elephant needs motivation, and both the writer and the elephant need the lowest possible friction on the path to the destination so they can move quickly. Right. That's a paraphrased-ish quote from the book. We've kind of talked about those three big pieces. So yeah. let's, and then they divide it up and go yeah. down a little deeper into each one. So. Let's, let's jump in and talk a little bit more about um, maybe the writer, starting with that, that part of our metaphor. Mm-hmm. Sure. So in the book, uh, they highlight three things that you can do to help direct the writer. Um, and they call those finding the bright spots, scripting the critical moves, and then pointing to the destination. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can take a couple minutes and dive a little deeper into those three uh, little tidbits they have and perhaps share some of our own personal experiences around those. Mm-hmm. Um, that first one, uh, find the bright spots, I think it is really obvious, but again, when it comes to change, we don't always do what is obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but really, finding the bright spots is all about figuring out what's going well mm-hmm. and then trying to replicate it, Yeah. right? So where are folks successfully uh, making behavior changes? Mm-hmm. Where are folks already actively engaged in supporting the change initiative that you're trying to promote or that you are personally going through? And then investigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, what are those individuals doing that are making those behavior changes work so well and they're able to stick with them? Mm-hmm. And then how can you implement that for yourself or for your team or if you're on a change initiative project team, how can you roll that out to a broader mm-hmm. population? I yeah. think about that with, this is a UVA finance specific example and we do have some listeners outside of um, UVA but we have a blog and it's very newsy and feature-oriented. And that's one of the biggest things that we like to put in there as a news item is how people are collaborating to make a positive change. Mm-hmm. And it, even those bright spots like that even illustrate, I think, where the culture is going right. Like yeah. where mm-hmm. people are engaging across um, disciplines with one another well and doing the kind of work that you want to see happen. Yeah. Right. In one of those clinics that I just mentioned, they, uh, one of the examples he uses that made me kind of chuckle because we have the same issue here at UVA is um, they had a, he had an example of, or they, the authors gave an example of a company that had people not submitting their expense reports. I remember this outside. one, yeah, yeah. And I chuckled because we, of course, every organization that has expense reports that need, or anything that needs to be completed by a deadline, you always have people that don't meet that, you know, and that's not judging that that those people or that thing but one of the ways to find the bright spot is really find those people who are submitting it on time yeah and doing that every month and go observe or ask them questions about mm-hmm. what are you doing up that make you do this why are you you know just see what their process is to do that and you kind of jot down or you know document what is is that they're actually doing and clone it Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, in the end, didn't they find out that why some of those people were doing the right thing at the right time was because they knew the lady who would end up having to process it? I don't remember that particular one. There, um, was, there was one where it, part of the whole switch process was that they figured out that there was an emotional connection mm-hmm. to it that they weren't leveraging in yeah. terms of the change that they wanted yeah. to happen that hey it's not just a faceless process here that you're flouting but someone suffers yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly and that actually speaks to one of the tips for motivating the elephant called yeah. find the feeling which right. we'll get to here shortly 
Um, what's interesting about the bright spots, because again, the rider is our rational, logical part of our mind. So just pointing out that someone is doing something successfully or that something is working well isn't enough. We need to talk about why it's important. What's the benefit to the individuals or the organization that justifies engaging in those different behaviors? Yeah. You know, so it could be as simple as what's the ROI? Yeah. Right? Or um, look at the time savings that folks are experiencing mm -hmm. as a result of engaging in some new behaviors. So not only highlighting those areas that are being successful, but why they're being successful and how that's having a positive impact. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now the, the second point I think is equally as crucial and it's called script the critical moves. Uh, when we ask people to change, we don't always tell them exactly how to change. Mm -hmm. right? We don't always tell them exactly the behaviors they need to engage in in order to make a change successful. However, we all know that there are certain behaviors that are crucial in order for a change to be successful. And when that is the situation, we need to give folks uh, a step-by-step -step guide on how to mm -hmm. do that. I think a good example is the recent implementation of Workday here at the university. Mm -hmm. Workday is a pretty intuitive uh, software system in my opinion. Uh, it was going to be put on everyone's desktops whether they wanted it or not. Um, and we could have just rolled it out and said, have fun, y'all figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, but they did a really good job of creating training, creating job aids, having in-person learning, online learning, and really giving folks the tools to go step by step through learning the critical processes they had to uh, start using within Workday, whether it was submitting time, requesting time off, seeing their pay slip. And also thinking about how you were talking about being really clear, mm -hmm. not only things to start doing, but things to stop doing mm -hmm. or things to continue doing. He talks, yeah. in, and they talk a lot in the book about um, exactly what behaviors you want to see in the regular mm -hmm. business time and in the tough moments too. Yeah. Well, I, I also like that they, um, they talk a little bit about having too many options sometimes. Yes. Results <laughs> in what they call, and I've heard this phrase before, we call it decision paralysis. Um, and how limiting the number of options and giving concrete direction helps people make change. Yes. Make a change. Yeah, <laughs> if the writer change, is like paralyzed, but, you're not yeah. going to move the element right. very far. And there was one quote that I wrote down that said, clarity dissolves resistance which I thought was really good. And that's yep. so true. Like, you, a lot of times, I mean, we, I think about ADCAR, mm -hmm. which we've talked about before on the pod, and I can link back to that podcast too. Um, people's desire for change is mm -hmm. very much hinged to their awareness. Yeah. And often what looks like, what it seems like resistance is just a lack of awareness. Right, and absolutely. That's exactly, yeah, yes. that's exactly yeah. what we're talking about yep. here. And that also speaks to the third and final point under how to best direct the rider, and that's to point to the destination. Uh, if you don't know where you're going, you don't have a clue how to start getting there. You know, if someone said, uh, you know, just get in the car and drive, and I'll tell you where you need to go later, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're probably going to be a little resistant. Yeah. You're going to have a lot of questions. You know, but if someone tells you, oh, we're going to go run errands and we need to go to the grocery store and get X, Y, and Z, and then we're going to go pick up the dry cleaning, when you get in your car, you know what you need to do. Yeah. And I find myself talking with leaders all the time about this idea of being able to articulate a clear and compelling vision mm -hmm. for your team mm -hmm. so that they know what they need to do 
to help achieve that vision. They mm -hmm. need to know where to go. And it's no different with change. You gotta be able to point to the de destination and say, this is the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And then folks have a, a, a roadmap mm -hmm. to start making the changes yeah, they need to make. Sense. Makes absolute sense. Mm -hmm. I remember um, as, a, we, as I was working my way through listening the book and to the book in chunks while commuting, <laughs> um, him ta them talking about the burning platform and that's not necessarily the best motivator for change. And if you've been around in work for any length of time, you've had the burning platform presented to you. And what that is is um, you're standing on a burning oil platform and if you, your choices are crummy because you can either stay there and burn up or jump in the ocean and maybe drown. And, but you've got to make a change and it's a do or die situation. Change is rarely palatable <laughs> in that presentation and that's often not what we really are faced with if we look at the situation clearly and definitely not how we should be presenting it to our teams. Mm -hmm. Absolutely and, and that also speaks to the neuroscience of change. Uh, when we are faced with a dichotomy, when we're faced with an either-or situation, we tend to naturally be resistant. No one likes be being given an ultimatum. Uh, and also if we're being realistic about the changes we're experiencing, um, it's never a situation where everything about our current way of operating is bad. Right. And everything about the future way of operating is good. It's definitely right. more nuanced than there, that. Yeah. There are certain elements of our current way of operating that we want to maintain. Those bright spots. And, and there are certain risks and hazards mm -hmm. of the future way of doing things that we need to watch out for. And so the idea of a burning platform, which was very popular in business and mm -hmm. in uh, the change management world for a long time, is finally, thankfully in my opinion, started to fade away. Mm -hmm. And there's a recognition that there is more nuance uh, and it's more complicated than just do or die. And that kind of moves us into our next phase of we, we've directed the writer and now we need to motivate the elephant. And, mm -hmm. Exactly. Again, the writer may know exactly where they need to go, but they still need to get that elephant to go along. Mm -hmm. They're not in charge just because mm -hmm. they know where to go. Mm -hmm. And so again, uh, Dan Chip Heath provide three different ways that you can start to motivate that elephant or get control of our emotions and use them for good rather than evil. And they, uh, <laughs> they identify find the feeling, shrink the change, and grow your people. Mm. This is a really good section. As yeah. someone who has to do a lot of communication, mm -hmm. this was a very good section for me. That's true. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that yeah. definitely would be, as a communicator, your area that you would be find most helpful, I think. Yeah, with find the um, feeling, the idea that, I mean, we all hear knowledge is power and you know, knowing it's half the battle, all those tropes from 80s cartoons. <laughs> I'm dating myself. But, um, but that, uh, that we are, we think of ourselves as so rational, but um, feeling something does ignite change and we can have positive and negative feelings. And Absolutely. And the example you gave earlier about uh, how people were complying with a, a new process change because they realized if they didn't, it would have a negative impact on someone else in their office. Right. Um, they had clearly a relationship with that individual and they had feelings about adding to that individual's workload or not adding to the mm -hmm. workload. And so in that situation, they found a feeling that helped to drive their behavior. It wasn't purely rational or logical. And we need to do that with everything. Uh, we, need to, we need to find um, the emotion behind what we do. 
We need to find how a change is going to help our clients or our customers or our constituents and why that's meaningful for right. us. Right. Mm-hmm. And in change, there can be such an opportunity for hope for things to be better, for creativity in solving the problems that have long plagued you, um, you know, for doing your job in a more fulfilling way. You can appeal to a lot of positive emotion that's inherent in change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and as you... Uh, said just a moment ago, those feelings can be positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And often, if we don't proactively think about how to motivate the elephant, those emotions will turn negative. Uh, And our emotional responses will be around fear Mm -hmm. and anger and resentment, Mm -hmm. um, rather than one of uh, excitement or happiness or opportunity. Mm -hmm. I like how they describe this next part, shrinking the change, that the elephant is easily spooked and demoralized and derailed. And when the task is too big, the elephant will resist. So we have to shrink the change for the elephant. Yeah, I I find that so relatable. I mean, if you think about, even when we think about like goals and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. if it's too overwhelming, you aren't going to do it. And so the same thing can be true of change. If it feels too overwhelming, then you... um, you know, it's going to be that much harder to get on board with it. I'm sitting over here giggling because a thought occurred to me. I'm mixing my metaphors in my head because I'm Mm. sure you all heard the, the saying, the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. Yeah. That's not in the book. It's not a part of this whole thing, (laughs) but the whole idea that you have to make things smaller into smaller pieces before you smaller bites. Yeah. Smaller bites. Bite size. But don't eat, don't eat your elephant. (laughs) You won't have anything to write on. <laughs> and not only does that make the change less frightening for individuals, but also it, you need to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you just say, oh, I don't know, we're going to completely transform finance here at UVA. Yeah. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> no Wave one, the wands. No one knows what that means. Yeah. No yeah. one knows where to start, um, let alone the emotional aspect of that just being a daunting task. Yeah. They he they use a couple of really great examples of this. Um, one is the idea of the debt snowball that came up where people that are trying to reduce their debt and make change in their spending habits and things like that, they tell them to make this big list of all of their debt, and then they start by taking the thing that they owe the smallest amount on, mm-hmm. which is contrary to what like investment people and financial mm-hmm. people may say. Financial people may say, whatever's the highest interest, get rid of that first, or mm-hmm. start looking at that and tackling that first. But they say, this financial advisor, whoever he was, said, no, take the smallest thing, and then get rid of that debt, and then take any payment you made toward that and go start to the next one. And so then it creates this snowball effect. And so their reason for using that as an analogy in this book is that you're shrinking the, or you're making the small win by, um, and, and you're, goal then is to get rid of that smaller debt, that first thing, and then it becomes the larger thing, and then the larger thing after that. And then they also talk about the five-minute room rescue or something that somebody mm-hmm. come up with where you go in and you tackle one thing at a time or one room, and you say, I'm just going to do this for five minutes, and nobody ever stops at five minutes. You don't stop until you're done with like a whole house maybe. And so it's this whole idea of both um, limiting the, the investment that you're asking for from other people, so you're making the change seem smaller, and then you're also thinking of like small wins or small successes that you can celebrate 
when you small successes that. burn as major fuel for people. Yeah. Like getting it's, something done mm-hmm. helps you to go on to the next thing with yeah. so much more. I like those two examples because I think yeah. they really um, illustrated that point really well. Absolutely. And then the last tip they have for growing the elephant is one that uh, I'm always fond of since my professional life revolves around helping others mm-hmm. develop. It's grow your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they point to, to two different ideas. One is the idea of helping folks develop a growth mindset. Yeah. And that can and perhaps even should be a whole other podcast. I think I wrote it down. I think we should do yeah. a podcast on the growth mindset. I'm actually people. feeling like as we were kind of coming up on time here, I'm wondering if we maybe shouldn't just do another pod on this book. Like, yeah. We're going to barely let's get see, let's the path covered before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so helping folks develop a growth mindset and then helping to create a sense of identity mm-hmm. amongst yes. those individuals who are going through the change um, and being proactive about that so they don't form their own identity, which mm-hmm. may or may not be uh, positive to the change. And I think about what's going on here at the university, um, the way we brand and communicate about changes. So the HR strategic transformation was rebranded as you first. Mm-hmm. And we had lapel pins and we had events and we had notebooks and it really helped to create an identity. Um, the uh, UVA finance strategic transformation, mm-hmm. same thing you all are currently going through, creating an identity around that change uh, so that folks have something they can get behind. Yeah. And they don't necessarily feel like they're dealing with the change on an individual level. Yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily that we're, it's not just to take finance transformation as, as an example. It's not just overhauling financial systems and purchasing software. It's getting behind an idea of like a new excellent way of delivering service. Mm-hmm. And that's easier, I think, to find yourself in that group of people as I'm the kind of person who does this mm-hmm. and I can contribute to this mm-hmm. um, rather than, yay, chart of accounts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we should talk at longer length about the growth mindset would be mm-hmm. cool. Absolutely. And that gets us to shaping the path, uh, which is... Um, influencing and setting the stage for change to to actually occur in a healthy environment. And they Mm -hmm. talk about doing that by tweaking the environment, building habits, and rallying the herd. Mm -hmm. Um, A herd of elephants? I guess so. I think it's a herd of elephants. Okay, cool. Awesome. I know it's not a flock. (laughs) I I wonder what the group of elephants is called. I think it's called a herd. Okay. And I think that's why they use that term. All right, I'll, I'll check and make sure. Okay. If that's different, I'll put it in the show notes because I'm all about the important stuff. <laughs> um, so tweaking the environment. This one's really simple. When we're put in different environments, we behave differently. Mm-hmm. When we're faced with a different situation, we interact with the people in that situation differently. Mm-hmm. So if we want to see behavior change, let's start by changing the environment, changing the situation that people are in to encourage them to start engaging in different behaviors that are going to support the change we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how they talk about what often looks like a person problem is actually a situation problem. Yep. Um, it's not often a problem with the person. So, for example, they talk about you know, like when somebody cuts you off in traffic and you think that person is a jerk or, you know, you automatically yeah. think that. It has and, very little to do with you, right? <laughs> number one. Well, and you, you never go, wow, yeah. they must be, you know, I wonder what's happening that they're in such a hurry. Yeah. You don't think that. You just think they're a jerk. Yeah. And so... And very often, 
it's not that case. And so they're talking about removing the obstacles that make people behave certain ways in certain Mm -hmm. situations. And I like that. Yeah. Approaching change humanely can be hard in the face of resistance, but we, I think of our own situation here at UVA, that there are so many changes and so much that we have to get done. And, And I think that most people who are here and most people who are in academia feel the importance and the weight of what we do. Yeah. And that's a lot that adds up to fatigue, I think. Yeah. And it can make you less yeah. apt to go along. So tweaking the environment is all about making the right behaviors easier and the wrong behaviors harder. Mm-hmm. Let me give one example of something I just saw about this that okay. I'm sure Amazon came across this issue. So my daughters um, are both in college, one in grad school and one in undergrad, and they've um, as a parent, I, the, one of the greatest things I learned about when my kids went off to college was renting textbooks. You know, you remember spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars yes, on I do. textbooks and then selling them for pennies. And um, now you can rent them, and it's way cheaper because hardly anybody ever continues to use their textbooks after college. And so, um, but it's not easy to return the textbooks. I mean, it's not that hard, but for a college student, you think about it, They've got to find a box, and they've got to print out the label. Often it's someone else who rented it for them, like me, and so then I've got to send them the label, and then they have to print it, and then they have to get, and they've got to take it to UPS or whatever. I just noticed a thing on Amazon the other day that I saw that said they have these hubs where you can drop your book off at one of these Amazon rental hubs that they probably have on campuses all over the place now, um, and you don't need a box, you don't need your label, you don't need anything. And then they get back to Amazon and you get your um, credit for returning the book. And I thought, somewhere along the way, students aren't returning mm-hmm. their books and causing parents and students to get all upset because they have to, they're charged an extended mm-hmm. rental fee and all this stuff. And so Amazon said, how can we tweak the environment to make it easier for students to return books on time. And back to that first case study that we talked about with the expense reports. Yeah. It was the electronic, new electronic system that everybody thought was so easy. Yeah. It turned out it was way harder for people who were actually entering the data, whereas writing it on paper had been easier. So much easier. Yeah. So you deferred the task because it because it was harder. Right. So I I just so when you think about it, you could just pay attention, you'll come across these things all the time yeah. about um, things that have been put in place to make it easier for people to do. Right. If you want people to recycle, put a recycling bin right next to the copier and they can put their right. you yep. know, mismade exactly. copies in there. So change behavior by making it easier. Exactly. And then uh, building the habits. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Again, neuroscience. I get a, a great opportunity to really geek out today. Um, when behaviors <laughs> become habits, yeah, they uh, require less mental energy. Yes. So we don't have to think about them uh, as much. We don't have to expend kilocalories engaging mm-hmm. in that behavior. And so when we ask people to change their behavior, we want to try and get them to develop new habits as quickly as possible mm-hmm. because it's less of a mental task on them. So finding ways to make behaviors a hit, habitual and encouraging those habits can really help change progress and progress quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finding ways to do that is always uh, very beneficial mm-hmm. in the change process. Yep. 
And then lastly, rallying the herd um, is simply the, the idea that behavior is contagious. Mm-hmm. So if other folks are engaging in a particular behavior, we're more likely to engage in that behavior as well. Mm-hmm. So and if, if you think that you're above that, you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I mean, just the simple things I talk about, drinking being contagious, eat, overeating being contagious. And if you think about the number of times you go to dinner with a group of friends and you think, I'm going to get that salad. And everybody's like, oh, why don't we just have the blooming onion or whatever? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you go along with the herd. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, again, this is sort of like uh, tying into finding the bright spots. When mm-hmm. you find individuals that are engaging in the behavior you want, put a spotlight on them. Make mm-hmm. it known so that other folks can, to a certain extent, feel that positive social pressure and mm-hmm. start engaging in that behavior as well. Yeah. They use an example of trying to promote um, less ener- or promote energy savings at a hotel mm-hmm. where they... I don't even know if it was true, but they told everybody that it um, that people were reusing their towels yes. to save energy. Yep. And so people started reusing their towels. Because I'm not going to be one of those right. wasters. And so, uh, and I'm not even sure that people actually were, but they made a change in behavior just by telling people and people believing that other people were doing it. It's the old Mark Twain Huck then. Boy, painting this fence is sure fun. <laughs> 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 wow, great. So we've talked about the, the writer, the elephant, and the path. Um, and then as we kind of wrap up the thoughts here for us today about um, Switch, the writers of the book talk in the end about how you keep it going. And I think that that's a really great topic for us to wind up with too because we often get this idea that it is a switch, like you do it one way and then you turn it and now we do it another way. But it takes effort to keep a change moving in the right direction. And I thought maybe we could talk a little bit more about um, how to keep that switch going. Sure, absolutely. Um, Any change is gonna require reinforcement in order to keep it going. Uh, It it doesn't just, we don't just immediately transform to a new way of being or a new way of doing things. Um, And so continuing to provide individuals with the tools and resources they need to engage in new behavior Uh, to provide them with the space uh, to make mistakes and to learn new skills because anytime we do start engaging in new behavior it takes more time more effort and the quality will be poorer and we Mm -hmm. need to recognize that that's okay Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course having a a healthy positive reward and recognition system in place Mm -hmm. can go a long way to reinforcing uh, the positive behavior changes that you want to see in folks Mm -hmm. And I think just continuing to use this, um, the concepts from this book to just just keep checking in with these different nine different point, points among these three different sections um, to see if you're hitting on those different areas and what needs to, what you need to pay attention to at that moment. Yeah, because the natural course of time and you know, your work life will happen and things will become harder. It will be harder to do things the new mm-hmm. way. People, some time or pressure comes that people want to revert back to something. Yeah. And that positive reinforcement becomes even more important. I also think it would be cool to, um, in our show notes, to link some of the resources that Chip and Dan Heath have in the book. Yes. Because they actually have yep. a podcast. They do. I'm sure it's not as great as ours. I mean. But it's called the Switch <laughs> Podcast Series. And um, so 
that would be cool do lean to in. link to that and then just some other things that they have in here and you know I think that it's also cool you know we've talked a lot because we're all UVA folks here we've talked a lot about this in terms specific to UVA today or your work or uh, you know your professional life but again like with every other topic I think we've covered on the podcast Patty it's been these are things that you can also apply to your own life too like when we talked about the power of habit I'll link to that one mm-hmm. as well because I think it's a nice companion piece to talk about how you can get some control of your elephant, how you can do these yeah. things yourself. I, I agree. You have to um, talk to your own writer and your own elephant mm-hmm. in your own life, or mm-hmm. maybe your kids or your family. I'm sure you've read The Power of Habit. Yes. I agree. It is. Very good book, and, yeah. and you're right, it's very applicable and worth linking to. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, change is change. Doesn't matter if it's personal, professional, large or small. Mm-hmm. Uh, our minds, tend to take us in the same places and we still need to direct the rider motivate the elephant and shape the path in order to make it successful how do you think i can apply this to my potty training toddler I'm sure you can. <laughs> All right. We are coming up on a good long time of talking about this book today. So unless you all have anything else that you wanted to mention for our audience today, I'm going to say we've, we've covered the gamut. Mm-hmm. But we would like to have you back there and to talk about... Um, What's the topic, Patty? Oh, growth mindset. Growth mindset. So look for that sometime in the future. Um, but for now... And I'm sure other topics yes. as well. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've roped Theron in now. He's not going to get out of this. Um, so thanks for joining us for Finance Matters. We'll link to some cool stuff in the show notes below about Switch and some of the other pods that we've done on other related um, topics. You can always read more about what UVA Finance is up to on the blog at uvafinance.blogspot.com. But if you've got an idea for a podcast or you know some cool idea or somebody who's doing great stuff, um, just let us know. You can email me or Patty or you can tweet us at UVA underscore finance. That's all for now. Until next time, do good work because what you're doing matters. <laughs>